Okay, today we're going to look into Parshas Kisavo, and we're going to uh, look at one of the great historical events that the Torah is uh, foreshadowing here, and this is when the Jewish people will enter the land of Eretz Yisrael, they will be commanded on the very first day that they enter to go into the heartland of Israel and uh, be in between mountains of Har Grizim and Har Eval. Six tribes will stand on one mountain, six on the other mountain. A Mizbeach will be built. And the Levim will utter curses um, that the people will be required to say Amen to. And this is all told in this week's Parsha. And we need to understand what's the significance of this um, very close to Rosh Hashanah and in the month of Elul and to explain this whole idea that most people really don't understand the concept. So what we have first off is just going through the different curses that are listed. So we'll just quickly go through them starting with, and just, just quickly, so you just have some feel for what's going on over here. Cursed is a person who makes any type of graven image and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall respond to me. They say I mean to all them. Cursed is the one who degrades his father and mother. Cursed is the one who moves back his neighbor's landmark, form of thievery. Cursed be he who misguides a blind person on the way. Cursed be he who perverts the judgment of the stranger, the orphan, or the widow. Cursed be who lies with his father's wife, thus uncovering the corner of his father's garment. (coughs) Cursed be who lies with any animal. Cursed be who lies with his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter. Cursed be who lies with his mother-in-law. Cursed be who strikes his fellow in secret. Cursed be who takes a bribe to put an innocent <coughs> person to death. Cursed be he who does not uphold the words of the Torah to fulfill them. That last one, Ramban says, is a collective curse for those who don't affirm the validity of the 613 mitzvahs. <coughs> so, there's a number of obvious questions we have to ask. The first question is, We have 613 mitzvahs. Why are these 11 selected as the curses? We could have just picked the Asera Sadibros and says, cursed is the person who doesn't keep Shabbos, cursed is the person who doesn't honor Father and Mother. We can go with the the regular commandments that exist. Thank you so much. This is the first time I'm really going to use it when people bring it to me. Okay, so why are we picking those 11? You, got, you know, Sarah's difference is good. There's a lot of good ones we could pick. What is the common denominator between those 11 is the first question. Uh, the second question, and I think a more fundamental question is what's the whole idea of a curse? What's what's the whole idea of a curse? Is it uh, 
I understand there's a concept of a blessing that is a little easier to understand. But uh, let's say a person does something wrong. A person does any one of those 11 things. So what happens to that person? Torah says you get punished. You do mitzvahs, you get rewards. You're getting what you deserve. Any of these. You can pick any of these averis. There's a punishment that's going to come to you. So now, what are we adding with the curse? What are we adding with the curse? Oh, now you're cursed. You know... uh, so 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 does does the sin require a person to be cursed? And and if it doesn't require a person to be cursed, what's the justification? Fresh, I'm cursing the person again. Like I can understand a blessing. It's understandable that if you do what's right, maybe you know you deserve a bonus. You know you got a worker who gets paid for his job, so he gets paid. So we'll compare that to schar mitzvahs. But if he really is loyal and maybe he went out of his way to do a little bit more, boss going to give you a bonus, give you stock options. So we could call that a blessing. Okay, that I could understand a little bit. But, but what, what justification is there for a curse? Like imagine, imagine let's say you're a parent and you tell your kid, I don't want you to put your hands in the cookie jar at all before dinner. He does. She says, okay, now you're going to get it. Now you're going to get it. You know cookies and I curse you. Like, that would kind of show a little bit of weakness, frustration on the part of the parent, but there's no justification. What's the justification for Hashem curse? I mean, what do you need the curse for? Like, what do you need it for? Let's live without the curse. You do this, Averis? Great, you're going to get killed. <laughs> Finished, goodbye. You're going to get kares. Goodbye. So what's this idea of curse? You know, there's a curse. Cursed is the person. What does it mean that a person is cursed? What does that mean? Okay, that's the uh, second uh, big question over here. We also have to know what there's a, what's the Mizbeach doing over here. We could have done all this without a Mizbeach. Um, and then let's look at uh, a, a couple technical questions. Was one or two uh, textual questions that, that once we explain what's going on over here. It's, it's going to be very uh, very nice over here. Um, let's uh, let's look at source 2, uh, which is uh, following up from Pasuk, Yud Tes of the Curses Above. Now, if you look at Pasuk, uh, oh, sorry, Pasuk Chaf, Pasuk Chaf, it says, Orur Shochev Imeishos Aviv, Curse the one who lies with his father's wife. Key because Gila Kinafaviv. He has uncovered the corner of his father's garment. Okay, so that's the problem. You, 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 you lie with your father's wife, you've uncovered the corner of your father's garment. Let's go to source two from Sefer Vayikra, where the initial command is given. And what happens to the person? It says, asher aviv, a person who, who, who lies with his father's wife. Now look carefully at the different language. I bolded it. Ervas oviv gilo. He has uncovered his father's nakedness. And they're both put to death. So why over here uh, is the Torah shifting that a little bit? It's saying, it's the same avera, but ki gilo kenaf oviv. He's uncovered his father's uh, garment. 
as opposed to Vayikra uncovered his nakedness. And people don't bother to look at those things. You have to remember what it said in Vayikra when you're over here in Devarim. Well, Ramban notices this, and I'm sorry it's in Hebrew. I'm sorry. Vitam and the Ramban, the source three, he says, Kigila Knafavi. Why does he say he uncovers the garment of his father? Derech Kavad La'av. We're trying to show an idea of honor for the father. Because earlier he mentions the nakedness of his father he revealed. Over there by different forbidden relationships it says also their nakedness. So why why the difference? So Ramban says Kisham over there Yechayev Onesh Gadol Misa Okares because over there we have to justify the punishment of death or kares. So we got to really play it up. Got to play it up. Ooh, he uncovered his father's nakedness. And that sounds a lot worse than he uncovered his father's garment. It's a little bit less. So therefore we have to pipe it up. For a curse, it's enough to mention just to say he revealed, he uncovered his father's garment for just uncovering the father's garment alone, he is high of a curse. Okay, so he's he's saying that, well, you know, it's, it appears then, well, you know, we don't need such severity to be involved in the curse. So that's a little bit hard to understand. It, what does it mean that the curse over here is less? In other words, in Vayikra, we're trying to make it more. Trying to justify the fact that the guy's getting killed. Uh, so we're, we're trying to make it less. Why are we trying to make it less? I mean, the whole point of a curse is you're making it more. <laughs> Do you understand? Well, you're getting punished. You're going to get killed. Oh, by the way, I'm going to curse you. Well, you know, so what would you say? That, oh, death, that's really bad. If I just, if I would just tell you, you're going to get killed and you're going to get cursed. So, oh, even worse, even worse, right? But Ramban saying, no, we play it down. So what are we playing it down for? It's supposed to get worse for, right? By adding that nuance of curse, we think you're saying more. So it's saying more. Why should the Torah understate the sin towards the father? All right. Do you understand the question over here? I'm sorry? I think it drives the point home. That's how bad it is. Like, even if you just do a little bit, that's how bad it is. Well, that's counterintuitive. Usually, if, 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 if something's really bad, it's because you've done something really bad. That That's the general notion. Okay, but, well, let, you know, let, let's move on. This is not a major thing, but it's just an interesting point. Let's, uh, let's look at another uh, interesting point over here. Let's make sure I don't skip anything. Uh, let's look at the next Rashi. Rashi tells us now, now there's something obviously missing in all these psukim. What's missing in all these psukim? We have all the curses. What's missing? So let's see if you can remember. What did they exactly do? They went to these mountains and they uttered curses. Yeah. What about the blessings? Do you see any blessings? I don't see any blessings there. So we got to look at Rashi to help us out. He brings the Gemara and Sota. And says, well, you should know that uh, really it started out with blessings. Uh, because the Levites, the Levim would turn to Hargrizim and begin with a blessing. Blessed be the man who does not make a graven or molten image. And they said, Amen. Now, cursed is the man who does that. And that happened with all of them. 
So the question is, you know, do we bless someone because he doesn't do anything wrong? You know, a uh, person's a murderer. Okay, whatever. We're going to curse you. Ah, well, you know, if you're not a murderer, we're going to bless you. It doesn't, you know, I understand if you put in overtime, you get blessed. But, well, we're going to bless you if you don't cheat, you don't steal, you don't uh, commit immorality. We're going to bless you now? You know, by not doing something horrendous, does that justify a blessing? That doesn't seem to be a, a basis uh, for this blessing at all. Okay, one more technical one. And I'm sorry, it just it's too delicious to ignore. Uh, in the one where it says of Masigvul, you can't move the borders. What is the crime of moving the borders? What is the sin? You know, in other words, you gotta land, you got you got a, a little marker over here. This is where my property is, this is where the neighbors continues, and I'm just gonna move the border over. What is the crime? What's stealing? stealing. Okay. What kind of stealing? So let's look at Rashi over here in Source 5. He moves back, the last one on the page, I think. He moves back his neighbor's landmark, Masikvul, moving it back and stealing the land. you got to look in the Hebrew here. English is not going to help you. Vegone vesakarka. You see the word gone vesakarka? He steals it. Good. Let's go to the Rashi in the when, in Vayikra when the first time it's mentioned, Masikvul. Look what Rashi says over here. Here, therefore, it means that he moves the boundary mark of the land backwards into his neighbor's field, thereby enlarging his own property. But has it not already stated in the Torah, in the Aserah Sartubra, lo signov, you shall not rob. Lo signov. Why then is it say you shall not pull back the landmark? The answer is that you'll get two punishments. Okay. Uh, rather, lo sigzol. I'm sorry, lo sigzol. Lo sigzol. Rather, to give you two Averos for sinning for lo sigzol and for stealing and for moving the boundaries as well. Now, here's where you have to know your Hebrew a little bit. What is Rashi, what word for theft does Rashi use in Source 6? I bolded it. Tigzol, gzela. What verb does Rashi use over here? Geneva. Are they the same? No. What's the difference? One's in broad daylight and one's hiding. on hiding. A ganef, he goes into your basement when you're not there and steals. Gaza, in broad daylight, he steals. Right in front of you. He robs you. He, he mugs you. That's Gzela. So why is Rashi shifting the Lashonos over there? Again, it's it's only a good question if you have a good answer for it. Okay, those are the general questions over here. So let's look at source number seven to begin to start the answer. Okay, so the Gomorrah and Sota is wondering about this as well. So the Gomorrah and Sota says, the whole section of blessing and curse refers to none other than the adulterer and the adulteress. The whole Parsha is dealing with one Avera, a Noaf or a Noefes. And of course, then the Gomorrah says, well, I don't see that all of them over there. Well, what about cursed be the man that makes a graven or molded image? Does it suffice Miller to pronounce curse with such a person? To say the guy is cursed? I mean, this is idolatry. It should be something more than just a curse. He's a Kofor Baker. Is that enough just that he gets cursed? No, it's not exactly that. But it alludes to one who has who was immoral with a woman and then has a mamzer. 
Now the mamzer, in those days, if you were a mamzer, how did your social life pan out? It didn't. You know, you think people want to avoid balchuvas. You just wait till you see a mamzer up and close. Nobody's interested in a mamzer. Looks for a job, don't want a mamzer. Shidduch, don't want a mamzer. That was like a pariah. So then what is that poor mamzer going to do? He's going to move. He's going to move to a place where he's accepted amongst the goyim. And he'll worship idols. Ah... So that is how it, see, now that's what's happening. That cursed is the person who worships idols. Cursed be the father and mother of this man since they were the cause of his sinning. Do you see how, how the Gemara spins that? And Rashi goes through, I don't have time, but Rashi goes through all of them to describe how it all comes down. Now some of them are, are blatant immorality, but even then, where it just say talks about your sister... Rashi's not happy to leave it as a sister. It's a married sister. Or all the other women that you're not supposed to be with, they're all married women. And a lot of other things like moving the boundaries, doing in stealth, you know, that's uh, when you when you are, are involved in adultery, that's kind of moving the boundaries, aren't you? I mean, there's a boundary. You decide, I'm going to take a little more of the boundary over there. Uh, hitting your friend uh, secretly, you know, all those different things, you know, because then if it's a question of morality and the wife is going to have to drink the bitter waters and then she could die. So now you kind of hit your friend in stealth, uh, taking uh, taking bribery. Um, you know, it could be, uh, uh, you know, different. It goes through all of these things. And uh, I don't have the time, but they're basically saying every Avera, it's all sourced in the immorality of adultery. I don't have to go through all the details. I don't want to run out of time. But, uh, interesting. So all of these are really around immorality. So what's so significant about Eishazish, about immorality, the Torah? Now we get at least understand the Torah is cursing a person who commits adultery. So I know you're wondering, I don't plan, you're probably saying, Rabbi, I don't plan on committing adultery, so I don't really have to worry about this. I'm not going to be cursed. Hang on, we'll get you into the curse uh, possibility. Uh, not that you should be cursed, but we will see. We will see. But uh, so therefore, don't say, "Okay, he's just talking about adultery." I have a great marriage; I don't have to worry about it. Okay. Now, one other question, by the way: What uh, part of the Torah, what Torah section precedes the blessings and the curses? Well, we'll have to jump down to source eight, where it's right before that, where the Torah says, "Hayoma said this day, Hashem, your Lord is commanding you to fulfill these statutes and ordinances. So you will observe and fulfill them with all your heart and all your soul." As Hashem Martha Hayom, you have selected the Lord this day to be your God and to walk in His ways and to observe His statutes, commandments, and ordinances and to obey Him. Hashem Hayom, and the Lord has selected you this day to be His treasured people, as He spoke to you, and so that you shall observe all His commandments and to make you supreme above all the nations that He made, so that you will have praise, a distinguished name, and glorious, so that you will be a holy people, the Lord your God, as He spoke. Very nice. So the Gemara explains what's, what it means is we chose him to be our God and he chose us to be his people. And then goes the blessings and the curses. So what's the connection between the blessings and the curses? What's the flow from, okay, we chose him, he chose us, not his blessing curses. What's, what's the flow to that? We need to understand as well.
Okay, that's the end of the questions. Now let's begin some answers over here with Gemara and Yavama, source number nine. And please, after, when you hear it the first time, don't get your backs up. We'll we'll make it better. Don't worry. All right. Rabbi Lazar says, call Adam she'en lo isha. Any man that does not have a wife, ain't no Adam. He's not a man. He's not a man. Shinamar, it says in the Torah, we'll elaborate on this shortly. Zachar unekeva bira'am, male and female, he created them. Vayikre shmam, and he called them Adam. Okay, what's the context? We'll go to source 10. Zeh Sefer told us Adam, Biyom baro Elohim, Adam. This is the, the book of Chronicles of Adam, on the day that Hashem created Adam. Bidmus Elohim Asa, in the likeness of Hashem, he made him. Also, Zohar gave a male and female. That's the Pasuk Mark quoted. Bira'am, he created them. Vayavarach Asam, he blessed them. Vayikrashmam Adam, he called their name Adam, the younger when he created them. What you see clearly from the simple uh, shot of this Gemara, that when you have a Zohar and Nekeva, he created a Zohar and Nekeva. I don't care which shot you learn that they were together and co-joined and then they were separated or she came from the river. I don't care. Either way, the Torah still says Hashem created the Adam as a Zohar Unekeva. A male and a female is the definition of an Adam. That's the only way to read the Pasuk. He could have said he created Adam. You know, and anyone could be a Zohar Unekeva. No, it's Zohar Unekeva Bera'am. He created them. Oto, it. It's going back and forth. It and them. Him and it and them. So clearly, that's where the Gemara gets this idea. If you want to be an Adam, you have to be Zohar and Nekeva. And if a man doesn't marry, then he's not an Adam. The unit of a person, we define an Adam. Now there's other words you could use for people. But if you want to use the word Adam, an Adam is a male and female. That is an Adam. If you're not married, you are not yet an auto. Okay, so what does that mean? What does it mean to be an auto? Well, well, got any any uh, idea from the pasuk? Do you have any clues from the pasuk what an auto is? Yeah, an auto is bidmus elokim. An auto is defined as a person, as a human being who has the likeness of Hashem. We've discussed in the past the difference between Selim and Demus, if you remember, and maybe you don't, or maybe you weren't there when I discussed it, so I'll, I'll briefly go it over. Uh, it needs an hour for a good explanation. We'll do it in two minutes. Demus means you're in the likeness of Hashem, that just like Hashem operates with the ten spheros, um, from Keser through Malchus, Hashem behaves vis-a-vis mankind with certain divine qualities and characteristics. So when Hashem put a soul into the human being, specifically into the Jewish human being, although Adam was included in that to begin with, Hashem has put into the Adam these demus, domain, these same qualities 
divine qualities of character that lets you become not just a humanoid, but a divine person. That's the demus elokim, the divine. You have those qualities. You can you can do chesed as Hashem does chesed, not as Mother Teresa does chesed. To have gvura like Hashem as were, and each one of the seven shepherds showed us how to behave that way. And therefore, when we uh, behave, that is the potential demus. We have the demus where we have the ability to manifest that dmus, that, that is an Adam. And Adam, it has the dmus Elohim. And to be that Adam, it's got to be the male and female unit together. That and, and that is, they should really teach this to Chassan and Kala classes. I don't know what they're doing at these Chassan and Kala classes nowadays, but I don't know if any of them know this. Right? That you're getting married to be an autumn. <laughs> and you're not an autumn until you're married. And obviously, to a great degree, same thing, you're not a, you're not a, a woman is not an autumn until she's married. They say it more for the men for reasons I don't want to get into now. But obviously, that's very important. So, you know, she's, so, why, so you ask, you know, why do you want to get married? The question, the answers, the real answers, they're not going to tell you the real answers. The real answers is you're lonely. You won't have company or any other uh, narcissistic answer why people get married, right? Everybody gets married, whatever. But no, you want to get married so I can be an Adam. Okay, now go ask that to the perspective of people going on Shaduchim. And they, that's, the, that's the first problem. They don't know what the heck they're doing. They don't understand why they're in the, in the marriage game. So, and even when they're married, they don't understand why they're married. So that, that's critical. Just say, you know, you want, what I am, and you're not an autumn. Forget it. You're not an autumn. You're not married. You're not an autumn. Period. Okay, those who aren't married, don't get upset with me yet. First of all, I'm just quoting a Gemara. I'm not making anything up. You're not, you'll be upset, be upset at the Gemara. Okay, now, how does that happen? So briefly, briefly, <clears throat> No human being is created perfect. Last week's parsha, when you go out to battle, and the Slonim Rebbe asks, why does that say when you go out to battle? Just say when you battle. Against your enemy. Just say against the enemy. Why does that have to be your enemy? And he says, and many say this, but he applies to the Pasuk. He says, well, we're talking about a different battle. We're talking about when you're Neshama, Tetzay goes out from underneath Hashem's throne of glory. And now, say it goes into this world. You should understand that you're going into a battle. Being born into planet Earth is a humongous battle for the soul. Allah Yevecha, against your enemy, is your unique enemy, your particular tailor-made Yetzirah to make you not uh, accomplish what you're meant to accomplish. Now... <clears throat> What does that mean? It means Hashem has created each and every one of us with things to do, missions to do. And we're wondering what our missions are. And the mission is very simple. Look at the area where the Sahara is stronger than you. And now you'll find out what your mission is to correct that. Now, in addition, Hashem, in His, in his own incredible way, that has created us so um, incomplete that we are in fact imbalanced. 
that's the best word to describe a young person is imbalanced and don't it's not their fault Hashem made them that way Hashem made each of us that way nobody was born perfect so now we're some less perfect some much less perfect so our job is to become perfect as perfect as possible so again I'm oversimplifying everything over here so let's say you know well you got to be perfect you know in the world of chesed kindness you have to be perfect in the world of control self-control so you know generally speaking you know when you're good at one you're not so good at the other that's the general way you know they have meters to go to the right meters to the left just like when you're a righty you could do things really good with your right hand and the left just not the same right because stronger here i'm not stronger there it's hard to be ambidextrous uh, the torah wants you to be spiritually ambidextrous spiritually ambidextrous so if let's say my strength is chesed but i'm weak in gvura that makes i'm imbalanced you know if you have a car the right tire is full and the left one is not good it's, you're not going to drive straight on the road so generally a person will find themselves stronger in one area than another area so if the person is strong in chesed that's very nice but uh, not always strong when it comes to uh, disciplining people. We need gvura. And if a person is very good at disciplining people, a good at gvura, not always good at chesed. And that's not good because then you're imbalanced. So now what's the way things are supposed to happen? So now everybody's walking around the world unbalanced. Oh, good, good, wonderful. So now how are we going to solve that problem? Lo tov heyos adam levado. It's not good for man to be alone. Nasa ezer kenegdo. Let me make a help made opposite him. Why is it not good for a person to be alone? Because if he's alone, he's imbalanced. And he's not, and lo tov adam. You're not going to be a good adam. Lo tov adam, Leo. It's not, you're not going to be a good adam if you're imbalanced. Alone is imbalanced by definition. So we'll get you married to somebody who's also imbalanced, but you're imbalanced in different areas. So, you know, whatever. The husband's strong in chesed, weak in gvura. The wife's strong in gvura, weak in chesed. So he's called the marriage pyramid, where, guess what? As, you know, a person gets married, the first reaction is, after a few days, you know, I don't understand. I was able to get along with everybody, and I can't get along with my spouse. What's going on over here? And the answer is, that's perfect. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you got along with everybody. You got along on um, peripheral things. When you're married to somebody, when there's differences, they're glaring. And therefore, conflict will arise. And that's amazing. Because now everybody sees where they're imbalanced. And in a good marriage, what will happen is the person who doesn't have enough gvura will develop the gvura thanks to their spouse who's stronger in gvura. And the one who is weak in chesed will develop the chesed because they're interacting with the one who has chesed. And therefore, you eventually become an Adam. Now, this needs hours and hours of explanation in all kinds of marriage classes for this. But that's the essential idea. Now, obviously, if your parents raised you to be a bigger mensch, the, um, the uh, realignment will go quicker and smoother. If your parents didn't raise you properly, or you just are rotten, not rotten, you have, don't have good meatos, the alignment will take much longer and will be much more painful. But sooner or later, you hopefully get to that alignment. Okay? So, uh, 
So now how do you look at your spouse? This is the critical point. How do you look at your spouse? What the, I don't know what the right word over here. I don't want to say the, what's, what's the, well, what's the value of your spouse? What's the importance of your spouse? Right? And that's a good question that a lot of people don't think about as well. And, you know, what, 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 what are you getting married? Well, my spouse is amazing, Michael. He's, he's a really good provider. He's a, I don't have to work a day in my life. That's Mamish. Amazing husband. He takes care of everything I need. It's Mamish. He sits and learns Torah. So I get credit for the Torah. I let him go to the base of medicine and learn Torah and all these things. Um, he's such a good conversationalist. I never feel alone with him. Blah, 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 blah. All the reasons that... Uh, and then we can reverse it the other way too. Okay. You know what? You don't have to get married to a man for any of those things. You can get... If you're you just independently wealthy, you don't need much more. You can support a guy in Kolo, you don't need much more. You don't need to be married to somebody for all the things I described, do you? You don't have to. You're lonely? Go play Mahjong with your friends. You want someone to talk to? Listen, you got enough money, you could pay people. They're called therapists. See, you know, men or women can speak to their therapists better than they can speak to their spouses. Well, yeah, if I got paid $200 an hour, I'd listen to you better than if you didn't. Really, you think about it, like, what, what there is, why are you wasting your time getting married? Right? So the reason is because you're imbalanced. That's what your spouse brings to the table to balance you. It's a balancing act. Okay? That's what it's about. It's, it's for my meatos to be where they're supposed to be. Not my meatos. Our meatos to be where they're supposed to be. Where I, where I, we blend from, instead of being two separate individuals, we become one corporation where neither one of us is looked at at a as a senior member of the corporation. Okay, uh, do, do I got this? I mean, if you knew all this, and I didn't tell you anything new. Okay, but maybe something to understand. Okay, so that's that's where it's at. So marriage is, is way beyond way beyond. If, if if Hashem isn't in the ball game here, don't waste your time getting married. Like it's a waste of time. It's just a pain in the neck. It's not worth it. You know, because wait, so wait, wait. Why, so why do I have to be so perfect? You know why? Because that's the only way you can have a relationship with Hashem. Remember, Sefer Dvarim, Dveikus. We've been talking about that all the time. Dveikus, cleaving to Hashem. That's what being a Jew is about. It's not about learning, davening, and all those things in and of themselves. It's about achieving a state of Dveikus to Hashem. That's what it's all about. If you And the Yetzirah's job is to stop you from doing Dveikus. So if you don't have Dveikus... You got big problems. The re- Hashem created us to give us the pleasure of the Dvekus relationship with Him. That's it. That's what the whole game's about. So, uh, you know, how much Dvekus, I know, you know, how much, if anybody has a pet, you know, how much Dvekus can you have with your dog? Hey, he could be nice, he could be friendly, you know, maybe a little bit more than your fancy car, you know. You know, the people call their cars by animal names. So, you know, little puppy. They'll call their fancy Lamborghini, my puppy. You know. Can you have an intimate relationship with a pet? Well, some people 
think they can, but you can't. You really can't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think I, you could have that. Right. So you're, you're getting married, so you're going to have better mitos, a balanced personality. When you have a, a relationship, can only be between similar uh, entities, and Hashem, who has perfected the divine qualities that He has and has given them to you to perfect. When you perfect them, now you have something in common with Hashem and you want to cleave to Him. If your chesed is not up to snuff and other mitos are not, and usually when one mitos off, it's going to affect all of them. It's not, oh, at least I'm good in four mitos. No, if the other, every mita needs the other mitos to make sure it's a perfected mita. So you're just a mess. So how are you going to appreciate a relationship with Hashem? It's not there. There's got to be some commonality. You don't have, you're not born with a commonality with Hashem. The whole job of your life is to develop that to the point where you now have something in common with Hashem. So when you go back, so when you're alive, you feel close to Hashem. And when you leave this world, you'll be close to Hashem. And that's only can happen, pretty much so, with marriage. Okay? So that's why marriage is like really important. So if people, if, if, if they're not really into this idea of, of that part of Yiddishkeit, of Dvekus and clinging to Hashem, having a relationship with Hashem, then you know what? You could get married and you could do all kinds of things, but you've missed the fundamental point and everything you're doing is not getting to the goal of marriage. You can live a happily married life, but you, you didn't get accomplished. You're still not an autumn. And that's why I'm saying, you'll see in a minute. Okay, you're with me here? So now... Now, what do you think, what would be the one activity that would tell us for sure, without a doubt, that you're not into such a marriage? I've described a beautiful, lofty concept of marriage, right? What one thing can you do that would clearly tell us that you don't have any interest in that kind of marriage? Adultery. Adultery. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not a shyla in your mind. When a person, either spouse has an adulterous relationship. So what is it that they see in the opposite sex? Just that. Superficialities. Right? So now, so, what, what, wait a minute, no, no, no. Well, with my wife or my husband, oh, we have this tvekas and we're balancing ourselves and this, that. But you know, I have to have a little fun too. So this one's for my fun. No, it just doesn't work that way because if you're getting balance of that, you aren't interested in that kind of fun. So if you're interested in that kind of fun, that means that marriage is not the marriage that you think it is. It, it, well, it's a different marriage. It's not the marriage that Hashem was thinking about it. You with me? You got this? So if a person's involved in another relationship with another person, that in general, the male and female rush is meant to complete oneself, but you have no interest in completing yourself with that adulterous relationship, then you obviously have no interest in completing yourself in the very marriage that you have. Would you not agree to that? Now, if you're not understanding any of this, you can have a whole different explanation of adultery. <laughs> what the what is the heinous crime of adultery? Many say, well, it's not loyal. I'm not disagreeing with that. You know, I don't know if I could be with a person who wasn't loyal with me. Not disagreeing with that. 
it's hurtful. Not disagreeing with that. But that's not the, the bad part, the really bad part of adultery. The real bad part of adultery is we have prima facie evidence that you're not an autumn. Now, of all the terrible things you could do in this world, and there's many terrible things you can do, the worst thing you can do is to strip yourself of the possibility of being an autumn. Yes? That's what the Gomorrah is saying over here. Gomorrah is saying all 11 curses are coming out of either direct or indirect uh, what comes out of adultery. What comes out of a person, the Talmud says, the clearest, there could be all kinds of other things, but you can't argue with me. You know, we get tired, you know, I stole some money. You're not an autumn. Well, no, no, maybe not. I could be an autumn, but it's maybe something else happened. But don't argue me. It's an adulterous relationship. You're not an autumn. Period. And Mamele, you're not an autumn. When you're not an autumn, does it bother you so much to like move the border a little bit? That's not such a bad thing. Uh, giving up a person who doesn't know something, you know, blind uh, in a certain area, you give him bad advice, taking bribery. And all the ways that Rashi says, well, this is what leads to this. And, you know, well, you know, how, how come my kid went off the derach? How come he married a shiksa? Well, guess what? He's a mom, sir. What do you expect? Okay? So that's all a curse. A curse means being totally disconnected from Hashem. A blessing means being totally connected to Hashem. An Avera is not necessarily a curse. An Avera doesn't mean I'm not connected. I could be connected, more or less, but, you know, but I made a mistake. I made a mistake. You know, Yetzirah can get you to make a mistake. I understand why I should be married. I understand everything. And Yetzirah hopped me. He hopped me, and I, but if he, get, if he, he just doesn't hop you to go have an adulterous relation. That's more than a hop. That's more than a hop. You know, that, that means, you know, you, you, you view that whole activity in a different way. If you just generally steal from somebody, you know, it wasn't thinking. You love these guys who get caught in adulteries. I wasn't thinking. I was caught in the morning. There's a whole bigger problem involved here. Right? So, most Averas in the Torah, they're not good, but they don't have to necessarily take your... Uh, humanness away. But adultery is the clearest definition of a person losing his humanness. He loses his suras ha'odam and the curse is going from what we'll call personhood to non-personhood. From a person who had the ability to perhaps use his marriage as the demus elokim and he acts in a way that's not demus elokim. As the uh, Greek philosophers, the pure Aristotelians, would would praise themselves in being rational animals. An animal who can think. That was a beautiful thing for them. But that's not a person with the Muselo came. Now, if you already don't value the marriage as that way, so now obviously when you're involved in an adulterous relationship, then you have... You have a whole different agenda of what marriage is about. So then, should it make a difference if you're sleeping with a woman or sleeping with a cow? 
So that could be one of the uh, 11 as well. Right? The Kuzari, we know, talks about the hierarchy of creation from inanimate to plant to animal to medaber. And then there's one more, Yehudi. Right? So a Jew does not believe that a person is an animal, or at least a Jew isn't an animal. I mean, even a Goy shouldn't be an animal, but we believe that we have Demus Elohim. So as long as a person has a Demus Elohim, okay, he's married, he understands why he's married, and he's working on his mitos. Okay, he slipped. Morris says, a person doesn't do an event unless a Ruchstus comes in. Okay, he slipped. So now he's so he, he's in the purview of Scharva Onesh, reward and punishment. Hashem rewards and punishes humanoids. He punishes an autumn. It's worthwhile to punish an autumn because it'll keep him as an autumn. It's worthwhile to reward an autumn. It will keep him as an autumn. But now if you're getting to the point where you've slipped, <clears throat> that Scharva Onesh really isn't a factor. Well, now that's the greatest curse you can have. Do you understand? When we're talking about the curses, <clears throat> we're not interested in punishing you. We're just interested in telling you what you are. So therefore, it doesn't have to... Here, here's the point. It doesn't have to be. There's an aspect that explains the Ramban's interpretation. When we said before, I'll get your question in a minute, that before that you had to make the crime look worse, right? Because we have to kill him to make it look worse. But the being a cursed person... It's enough that, you know, you don't understand what marriage is about. That's the difference. Yeah, what was your question? Can you do tshuva for adultery? You can do tshuva for anything. Like, is specific? Anything, but it's a lot harder. <laughs> you know, can you, uh, do you, do you uh, ever uh, clean clothes? Wash clothes? Have you ever washed clothes in your life? Yeah, yeah? okay. <laughs> Have you ever had uh, little children or people who really get clothes really dirty? You know, like like your kid vomited all over and slept in it all night, and now you have to deal with that. Or he went out and played in the mud, and not just our mud, but it's baked in, and he left it in his locker in school for six months, and then he remembered to bring it home, and now you had to clean it, yeah? So I want to ask you, did you just put it in the laundry machine and that was it? No, you probably pre-soaked it for seven weeks. And you, and your mom has had it, and, and you know people don't like doing that. And if you do this anymore, like you take yeah. the shirt, you go like this, you know, get it out. You, you, anybody do that? Because they got invented things. You don't got to do that, but you still got to do it sometimes. You know, and you, you know, you have to rub it by the collar. You know, and you know, it got to do a lot of work. So what I'm saying is, it's possible. It's possible to do chuva on anything. Ooh, but it's very hard. You could do chuva on any avera, but it's very hard. It's not. Yeah, have another, well, another class on tshuva to understand it. I'm sorry. Bender yeah, Bender died. Yeah, because he felt he couldn't do the tshuva. He couldn't do the tshuva, but you could. Okay, I'm getting. I have to make sure not to get off course over here. Uh, okay, so now what do I have to do? So let's, uh, for example, look at source number eleven just to buttress this idea. The Gemara in Sota tells us a woman who's a Sota. What's a woman who's a Sota? The husband warns warns her. Don't go with Chaim Yankel to the Happiness Hotel, right? And she goes with Chaim Yankel Happiness Hotel. And we don't know if they really committed such a terrible sin or not. Maybe they're just playing cards. So what do you do? She has to drink the water. She has to drink the bitter waters. Now, together with that, she brings a mincha offering, a meal offering. And the meal offering is made out of barley. 
Now you should know every meal offering in the temple, every meal offering is made out of wheat, except for two. The other one I don't want to talk about, but this one, she brings the barley. Why in the world do we bring wheat and not barley? Because wheat is much nicer, right? Much. Do you ever ate barley bread? Ugh. I don't know if you can make it, but if you wouldn't want to make it. Wheat is for, is for an Adam. Barley's for an animal. Animals eat barley. So now we give her a Corbin. What's your Corbin? Your Corbin is the barley offering because you acted like a behemoth. Now, behemoths are entitled to have adulterous relationships because their zivuk isn't from Shemayim and it's not meant to perfect them. So if a person is involved in an adulterous relationship, they're acting like a behemoth, that's what happens. So these all these 11 behaviors are telling us the actions that can reduce you to an animal. And the what was the section before this? Section before this was, again, refreshing our memories, source 8, Es Hashem Amarta Hayom. Today you have chosen Hashem. Vashem Hemir Hayom. And Hashem has chosen you today. That sounds like really lovey-dovey kind of stuff over here. I'm sorry? No, it really means to separate. No. No, 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 no. Even the simple meaning, the simple meaning is, is not that. No, 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 no. He's, he's kind of selected, selected. Selected, to select. You could select, you could switch by selecting. Selecting. All right, so Hashem says, you know, I've selected you because this is the ultimate Zohar Nekeva relationship between us and Hashem. Hashem says, Zohar, we're the Nekeva for each and every one of us. The Torah is saying, listen, this is what this is what the religion's about. That's why I kept telling you, Sefer Dvarim is telling what the religion's about. First four books of Torah, you're not going to know enough. To, to get to the idea of Dveikus, this is every parsha, bang, bang, bang. Hashem said, listen, we, we have a very, very, we're meant to have an intense relationship. So now come the curses. Make sure you don't lose your humanhood, please. Because if you do, you're going to get cursed. And the curse is that we can't have any relationship. The greatest curse that you can ever have in your life is to not have Hashem involved in your life. And that was the curse of the snake. The snake was cursed with what? That he could find Parnassus wherever he needs it. Because he doesn't need Hashem. Right? That's the curse of the snake. So it's no coincidence. So we and, and you see, idol worship comes out of that. You always find all the pagans involved in immorality, don't you? It, you know, it's a very logical connection. You know, Avoda Zora and immorality, they go together because Avoda Zora by definition means I want to get what can have without going through God, because going through God means I have to be close with him. If you pair up the first five uh, Adibros on one side to the five on the other side, right? You shall not have any other gods, goes against that's number two. What's number seven? Don't commit adultery. That's what it is. Avodah Zorah is an adulterous relationship with someone else other than HaKadosh Baruch What's an adulterous relationship? Well, dear, you can't satisfy me. I'm going to go to her. What's Avodah Zorah? Hashem, you can't satisfy my needs. I go to Zeus. So it's interesting that the great idol worshippers, um, who do they view as, interestingly, who do they view as the holiest people? 
The ones who are celibate. The ones who don't get married. The ones who don't have a demusada. And then you're wondering, you're wondering why in the Christian church, the Catholic church is being rocked all over the world with all those fathers who are being more than a father. And now the Pope covered up thousands and thousands. It's just... And I listen to the Buffalo station a lot so I could hear Rush Limbaugh. So in Buffalo, what's going on in Buffalo? Wow! It's like they just want all these cardinals. It's like terrible, terrible. It's like, well, so, you know, it's... Of course! Their their spitz, Godel Hador, is an imbalanced human being. And you don't think they ain't fooling around on the side, each and every one of them, in the most disgusting ways? Because they're not balanced. They're, they're animals. What kind of religion for thousands of hundreds and thousands of years says you burn people at the stake? Is that what human beings do? Because they don't believe in your religion? Merry Christmas. Okay, anyway. It's, 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 it, this is what it is. This is what it is. Where are the Jews going now? Where are they going to go in this part? We're, we're, we're foreshadowing what? We're going to Eretz Yisrael. A land full of pagans. Where the whole world is nuts. This is the way you behave. Right? This is politically correct behavior. We take children and throw them into volcanoes to make sure it doesn't kill. We kill babies. We do this with all these other things. Right? What's the highest level of Odazara? Is, is self. Self-absorbed. Zohar Nekeva a real Zohar and Keva, you cannot be self-absorbed in your marriage. There's the ebb and flow of development and growing. Okay? So that's 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 the key issue over here. So clearly an Aishas Ish issue, adultery, cannot have a relationship. But so so again, so you're saying, well, but none of us are have to deal with that. Oh yes, you do. You have to deal with the core issue, not with that issue. It doesn't take away... Okay, the fact that... Here's the point. If you're in an adulterous relationship, it's prima facie evidence that you're certainly not an autumn. Just because you're married doesn't guarantee you're an autumn. We only don't have a proof that you're a behemoth. But just because you're married doesn't mean you're a behemoth disguised behemoth. So how do you know? Well, start looking at your marriage. And start understanding why am I married and what am I involved with. And why is it that you think Shadduchim, I'm not talking about anybody in particular, I'm just talking like randomly. I'm not, I have nobody in mind. I'm just trying to make a point. I'm just trying to make a point. No, he's thinking about, no, I'm not thinking about it. I don't even know. I make it my business not to know anybody because then they, I, you can't say I know anything about it. And oh, he had me in mind. He wants to give me most. But what, if, if, if this is the whole reason to get married, why is it that in certain, when you look for Shidduchim, certain people are automatically not in the picture because of their financial ability? Where does that fit into balancing people? You know, shouldn't the most important quality be, be is the person capable of becoming balanced? What attributes does this boy or girl have to show that they're able to compromise? They've had to struggle and overcome challenges 
and to show that they're not stuck in the same place that they are and are willing to expand their conscious level of, of internalizing reality and especially when it's come from a spouse who's going to be coming and teaching them different things. What has that? I never get that asked as a shit of question for references. You know, is this third cousin once removed a convert? Oh, oh that's important. Oh, oh, oh. You know, it's... Yeah, yeah. Does she have good meatos? I don't care about good meatos is one of those motherhood statements. Say, so, you know, I know, I know, I can tell you that this girl used to be like this and she's really changed a lot in terms of being able to understand. She has a much deeper understanding of chesed and this and all these other things. Guess what? You're never going to find that out anyway, but you got to be... Do you understand? So, so, so... The fact, that's what you got to do in El. El, you got to start, remember, who is Hashem judging on Rosh Hashanah? Animals or people? <laughs> right? You look, you see, you'd be a little more sensitive now to the, uh, to the machser. You know, what word we use? You know, by uh, Nisana Tokov. Adam Yisodomeya for visofoleha for... Adam! Creation of Adam was on Rosh Hashanah. So the question is, Hashem wants to judge an Adam. Not Bahamas. So isn't it kind of important to be an Adam before you start Rosh Hashanah? Well, he can judge animals too, but you know, you judge animals different than you do people. It's a whole different game. So what else did I have to... Uh, so... Uh, yeah, so we asked, so why why bless the person if he's not so heinous? We said, what's the bracha for? So now you understand what the idea is, because the person is making a commitment not to be an animal. That's the point. You gotta go out of your way to commit to yourself, not especially when you're in a world that's full of animals. So it's not just a question of I what I didn't have, I didn't uh, have an adulterous relationship. No, I'm committed to be a person. And even if you have a good marriage and there's no question of adultery, but you have a very superficial marriage, then you haven't said amen to the bracha yet. Right? I mean, when you say blessed is the one who does not sleep uh, with another person, it means I'm totally separating myself from any inclination that I feel it's it's repulsive. It, it goes against what I'm supposed to be as an Adam. So, you know, saying amen to the Klaus is saying that's the total antithesis of what I am. I want to strengthen this. I want to be the Tzalem Elohim. To want to be the Tzalem Elohim is a lot of work. It's not just not doing an Avera. Do you hear the, you hear the difference over here? You want to be a blessed person? You got to work on your Tzalem Elohim. That's an active thing. It's not just a bunch of negatives. Okay? And that's why Ramban says it's not, you know, just the fact that you just sleep with your sister, you know, that's one thing. But if she's married, now that's the problem. That's the problem. Why that's the problem? Because now you're breaking up the, a marriage. Okay, there's all other kinds of proofs. I don't have time to get into it right now. Oh, so let's not, so that's your sowed number one. <laughs> Okay, you saw number two will not take as long, obviously. But uh, so that's so the question one has to ask themselves: Am I an Adam when I come in to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? If I'm an Adam, that means I view my marriage. Okay, I should, and at this point, um, 
say. Now, therefore, what does that mean to say about people who aren't married? So there's a lot of answers, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, just enough that you won't be upset. Uh, so what we say about a young bacher, we say he's not an Adam yet. He's not an Adam yet. I have three boys, 18 to 23. They're not an Adam yet. But they're committed to being an Adam. What does that mean? They, they want to find a girl who will balance it. Listen, that's all Hashem can ask from you, right? If you, if you want to be balanced, that already tells me what direction you're heading in. And if you really want to be balanced, then there's things you're working on in your life even to make yourself balanced as well. Now, what the Gemara means to really say, I believe, is if if you're married, you're an autumn, or you at least could be an autumn. If you're not married, you're not an autumn, means you've got a great handicap in being able to become an autumn. You could be an autumn, but it's so much harder. Why? Because you don't have somebody living with you 24-7 that's the opposite of what you want to do. That's forcing you to change. Now, what you have to do is almost, even if you're not married, you have to create relationships where you create almost the obligation of marriage within that relationship. Which is hard. It's not impossible. Almost impossible. But it's hard. Where you you inextricably bind yourself up with other people who are not your spouse and everything they do impacts on how you behave as well. Do you follow what I'm saying? But it's a lot easier. Wake up in the morning, your wife's right there. You're ready to got to start working on yourself. You know, you wake up in the morning, you know, at quarter to six, your wife's sleeping soundly. I have to make sure that the smallest amount of light is on in the room. I make the smallest amount of noise. And when I'm finished at the sink and there's a little, you know, a little bit of water right over there, you know, I got to dry it to make sure that when she comes, you know what I'm talking about. When you, mm-hmm. Sometimes you wash yourself up and there's water again. It depends what kind of sink you have, right? If you have cheap sinks like me, the water goes all over the place. And you notice that because it's on your undershirt. Well, how'd that happen? But, but you walk away and there's a pile of water. Then your spouse going boom, right? Is this only in my house? <laughs> and then I got, and, and I have to be a minion, so I, I got to take the towel and dry it up. And my wife doesn't even know I'm doing that every day. Don't tell her. <laughs> I won't be Michael if you tell her. No, don't tell her. I said, you know, now if now you could be the nicest, but you're not married. You don't got to do that. You know, like I, I, it's like I can't, I can't not think about. There's another person who's really important, who's my, who's my left hand or right hand, or whatever you want to say, and I can't do anything. You know, until I, and I'm not meaning in a bad way. Oh, I mean, it's, you know, I can be more godly by doing that. that. Hashem does that. Hashem cleans up our messes. So I should clean up my mess too, right? So, but, so if you're not married, you know, that, it's like, you can't, just, I just can't, I just can't, I, I mean this in a good way. I just can't get rid of my wife. What I mean to, I don't mean it in a bad, I mean, she, she's always there. It's like, I want to do something that's a little bit imbalanced. I can't because she's going to let me have it in a good way or a bad way because I haven't, you know, behaved properly. So it kind of forces me to keep my balance. And, you know, and with training, then it becomes automatic and it becomes my regular behavior. You see. So, but if, so, but when you're in a dormitory, you know, in a yeshiva, you don't get along with the roommate, you switch roommates. Finished. You know, you get along with everybody, you know. I don't have to get that close. Right? So, therefore, it's very, it's, it's very, you have a handicap 
You wake up in the morning, you're alone, you can do what you want. Now you got to go into other people's worlds and invade it in a nice way, in a nice way, not in a pushy way, and uh, force yourself to be uh, to balance yourself in relation to their needs. Not easy. So much easier in marriage. I don't even have to. I don't say try, but I didn't have to make that initial effort to have somebody be next next to me. She's there. I mean, she's there all the time. I'm meeting. She's there. You know, I just can't. You know, sometimes you want to have supper and just like veg and just be just be yourself. No, your spouse is there. And how did your day go? And all these things. And you know, you got something really on your mind, pressing on your mind, really bothering you. And there's another person there that really expects to be treated nicely. I'm really not in the mood to treat her nicely because I'm going through a crisis of my own. Well, maybe you should talk. Oh, I don't want to talk with anybody. I'm a big man. I don't have to. No, no. Maybe you should talk with. And then you you understand what I'm saying here. While single people, they can just do what they want whenever they want. But if they choose to really go out of their way, it's possible, but very hard. Very hard. Uh, let's say you were married for 40 years, 50 years. God forbid one of the spouses dies. Are you imbalanced? Well, hopefully not, because after 40 or 50 years, hopefully you've got it balanced then you don't, quote-unquote, need the spouse anymore. I'm not saying to suggest get rid of the spouse, but I'm just saying it's just, you know, listen, 40 years of training, hopefully you've finally balanced. So uh, now that, that other person is in you already, is in you because you're balanced, because of that person, and hopefully you can make it to the end of the, the race without losing your balance. And even then, it was not a bad idea to get remarried. But again, you know, why? Just because you're lonely or it's something to keep your balance for you? So that's why I find it's very relevant that really before this uh, Parsha, this Rosh Hashanah, we should really think about our marriages. That would be, you know, when the coin Godel on Yom Kippur, he needed Kapara, you know, just for himself and for his family, all those things. You know, maybe the most important tshuva we have to do is how we view our marriage. And are we an autumn? We're not an autumn. If I'm not an autumn, a lot of this chuva business doesn't talk to us. Okay, but there's a second part of not being a person. It, it doesn't go to, it's not so long, but it's just a logical extension. And if you see all the Mephorshim, it, it blends many of the Mephorshim over here. Let's talk about Masig Gvul. Let's talk about the guy who's moving the uh, the borders. And Rashi switched the interpretation. Remember, the originally he says it's Gazelo. They decided to say Geneva. So, what's the difference? They're both an Averit. They're both stealing. But when I'm a Goslin, when I'm a Goslin, it means I'm doing it in front of the guy's face. What does that mean? That means, you know, you think the board is here. I make a big statement. I go take a big sign, big boulders, and I move three feet over, and I put a sign and a this and a that, and the neighbor sees it. What are you doing? He says, that's mine! Because no, it's mine. No, no, I, it's mine, and I'm not ashamed of what I'm saying, and I'm defiant, and I want to get my land. That's a goslin. And if you're wrong, you're not allowed to do that. That's 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 theft. Ah, but now over here, but that wouldn't get you cursed. That won't get you cursed because people like that money, you know. But what about in the middle of the night? You know, you. Uh, do all kinds of sophisticated stuff of moving things around. You take some trees out and you move a tree over and this and that. And when the guy wakes up the next day, he doesn't even know that you've moved three feet over. 
A Ganif steals furtively. You don't know he's done it. So that's called a sneak. And you know what? An Adam is not a sneak. An Adam is up front with people. You know, you, you hold us something, you do something, you don't say one thing and mean another thing. Right? An Adam is MS. Hashem is MS. If I don't like something, I tell you I don't like it. If I think you're wrong, my borders here, I tell you I think it's wrong. Now, it could be I'm, I'm wrong and I'm doing an Averib, but at least I'm being an Adam who's sinning. But when you're sneaky, you're not even an Adam. And therefore, uh, who is this? The uh, What's the last one over here? Orachim uh, HaKadosh and others, not just Orachim and others, say the common denominator between all these Averas, look at the bold. It's talk about hidden sins. If you look at all these sins, they're generally hidden. Now, why didn't we list all the cases of immorality? No, we only had certain ones. Yeah, with your mother-in-law, your sister. Those are the ones that you can cover it up. It's not like, you know, with the neighbor three blocks away. You know, incestuous relationships at home, you know, sometimes you only find out years later that this person was doing these things. They can be covered up. Um, all and, and, and he goes through, if you have time, you go through that, uh, or a Chaim HaKadosh, he goes through every one of those. Bribery, do you really know the guy took the bribery? You know, all, all these different things. So therefore, um, when you're talking, and therefore when there's two of them, that could possibly not be hidden, you, those are the only two, go back to the ritual psukim, idol worship, so it's got to be the Torah adds, baseser, in secret. Why did the Torah say in secret? Because there's idol worship that's out front. No, he's a sneaky idol worshiper. And where's the other one? Pasuk uh, Dalid. It says he hits his friend, baseser, secretly. Like, you know, funnels money out of his account, he doesn't know that it happened. That's being a sneak. When you talk behind someone's back, that's not being a mensch. You know, you know, you, you've seen these uh, things described either in the movies or your teenage kids. You know, kid makes a comment. You say, "What'd you say? Stand from me and say it." What, what did you say? Say it right in front of my face. Because then you're man enough to stand. You men enough to stand up to somebody. Now, what's the real problem with the sneaky guy? The sneaky guy is not taking responsibilities for his actions. That's why you're so sneaky. Right? Why do you have to be sneaky? Do it up front. Because we don't want to take responsibility for our actions. Because if, if everybody knows what I'm doing, i got to deal with it. So now I'm going to sneak around. Everyone's going to think I'm exotic, but inside I'm not. And everyone's going to think I'm amazing. And that's also not being a person. Right? That... Uh that's, uh, Gamora says about, uh, nasty things about people like that. So let's say the guy publicly is a Machal Shabbos and he doesn't pretend. Guess what? Imamish, he's Machal Shabbos straight up. But when he says one day, I am going to do tshuva, you can believe him. He's a man of his word. But the person who's uh, outwardly is a firmest Jew in the shul, but inside at home, he's on the internet, the whole Shabbos, texting and this thing and that and then when he's going to tell Hashem he's doing tshuva, you can't believe him. 
He doesn't take responsibility for what he does. Right? Therefore, on the day that Hashem is making a declaration of this relationship, the minimum that now come the curses, the minimum requirement is to be a person and a person that understands what marriage is. Now, again, it's not just the marriage. It's the total development of self and balancing oneself. And to be honest with oneself. And I'm working on myself to be the opposite of those that are cursed. So I'm affirming and I'm strengthening. I'm bringing everything I have together to be that kind of person. That's a person who's a blessed person. And really, really, only an Adam can really do teshuva. If you're not an Adam, are you ever really going to, you're going to say you're going to do teshuva, you go through the motions, you know, because if you really are, the, if you look at your marriage the way it's supposed to be, boy, do you got to do teshuva left, right, and center every day of your life. And you better mean it, because if you don't mean it, it's not going to work out either, right? So then if you do tshuva with Hashem, you're going to mean it too. That's the sort of, of tshuva. That's what the amen is all about. Amen, I'm accepting of myself. I'm making a commitment. I Amen means, not, yeah, yeah, the guy who's adultery should be cursed. No, no, I'm making a commitment that I will not be that way. Whenever you say amen, that's an affirmation. I affirm I want to be that way. Okay, well, oh yeah, what about the Mizbeach? Boom, boom, boom. Where's the Mizbeach? Towards the end. Uh, 14. If a man divorces his first wife, even the altar sheds tears. Why is the altar shedding tears? Well, there's another Chazal that say, Adam v'chava, I couldn't find the exact source, but I know there's such a source. Adam v'chava nivra me afar makam mizbech. Adam and Chava were built from the dust of where the Mizbech was. Because what's the whole idea of the Mizbech? The Mizbech is the place where you take physical things and burn them and they turn into spirituality, the Reich Nichach to Hashem. We take all the animal parts of ourselves and want to connect it up to Hashem. Because Hashem knows we're physical people, but we have to connect to the spiritual. And the Mizbech is that nexus to make that happen. And the real place where that happens is in marriage. And what institution needs more sacrifice than marriage. <laughs> how many karbanas, how many oilists you have to give? You got to burn everything you have, burn it up and give it away and lose it off. Most karbanas are olos. You get no benefit from it. A lot of chattas offerings. <laughs> every marriage, you should think every day, okay, I'm going to bring an oilet today. I'm going to bring a chattas. And then maybe even a shlomim. You know, let's go out for dinner and have a nice time. That's also shlomim. Oh, it costs a lot of money. It's worth to pay the money, to invest the money in that. You know, you got to bring all these karbanas. So when a person gets divorced, the mizbech sheds a tear. Because there's a mizbech that was destroyed. So therefore, this is mamish, beautiful, beautiful understanding of how to come into Rosh Hashanah. That our goal should be an autumn. Our goal should be to look at our marriages, or create significant relationships that marriage would provide you for that. And also, the last point, the word ha'emircha, by the way, ha'emircha, I've chosen you, that's the same root as the word omar, to say, because it's all by how you speak. Speaking is probably the most important idea of an adam. And what makes you a real adam is how you speak and what you speak. And the vidui that you say during the Aserah Shemei Tshuva, what is the vidui? The vidui is, is vidui a, a, a thing that an autumn does? 
Yes, an Adam verbalizes, I've done something wrong, I've owned up to what I did, I'm not hiding it. Vidui is a very, very, you know, CNN is not good at Vidui. They caught red-handed this week. red hand. I mean, it's not even a Shiloh. It's Lesman de Pollock. Mamish, they produced the fakest news possible. And the, the source himself, the unmanned source said, I'm not the source, and I never said it. And I was wrong that the whole source said it. It's not. And they're not getting him in. Because they're a bunch of behemoths. You can't, you can't admit you did something wrong? No, I'm, I'm okay. Then you're a sneak. You're not an Adam. How do you know you're an Adam? You say the veto. But not just say the words. You mean it. You mean, you mean I really did this wrong and I really did this wrong. That means you're owning up to what you did. Then you can finally come with a successful analysis of being the person you're meant to be and doing the chuva you're meant to be. Then you can get the brachas. And those brachas come out uh, on Simchus Torah. That you can tell how good is somebody's chuvas, how good their Simchus Torah is. Because the Simchus Torah is the dveikas part of it all. Mirza Hashem, Hashem should help us that we should make uh, inroads in this area. Okay. Did I, I didn't skip any questions. Did I, I, the reason I taped it is... What, what about uncovering the father's garment? No, so that's just, I said that. In other words, when it talks about killing the person, he's still a person. But to become a behema... The behemoth doesn't need so bad. It just means to be that you don't understand what your marriage is about. And maybe under the hump of the bracha Yotzer Adam. Very good. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect.